Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and and I'm in a different part of the country. I I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Oh yeah. Hey there. It is Carol Jurgensen Sheets, aka Carol the Coach, here tonight with Sex Help with Carol the Coach. And we got a lot of stuff going on. We have Dr. Alan Katz who is he is, has developed a book, and it is the Experiential Group Intervention with DBT. And it's a 30-day program for treating addictions and trauma, which many clinicians have found to be extremely helpful in healing the wounds of addiction. And he's going to be coming on in about 15 minutes. And then, you know, if you just can't seem to get traction in terms of your recovery or you want to take it to your next level, i got to tell you, there are several ways to do it. And what I know to be true is that Dan Drake and Tim Stein have put together a living and freedom retreat for men in sex addiction and relational recovery. And so I've invited... I've invited both of them on the show. We've got one of the guys on tonight and one of the guys on next week so that we can talk about what is it that they are proposing that will actually catapult your recovery. So, hey, welcome to the show. Hey, Carol, this is Tim. Hey, Tim. I am so happy to have you on. Obviously, Tim Stein is the co-founder of Willow Tree Counseling in Santa Rosa, California, which is an outpatient treatment center for addicts, their partners, and their families. So, Tim, you put together with Dan Drake this freedom retreat, Living in Freedom Retreat. What is it, and and tell us a little bit about it. Oh, well, we are, you know, we're so excited to be doing this retreat. Dan and I, you know, as you know, Dan and I are both certified sex addiction therapists. Uh, We're actually both supervisors over there. Uh, but in addition to that, not just working with uh, addicts in their own recovery, we're also both certified or certified clinical partner specialists. So we, we really also focus a lot on the trauma partners have gone through and having that perspective, not just of the addict and their own work in sobriety and recovery, but the partner's healing journey as well. Uh, what we what we put together and what we decided that we really wanted to work on at this retreat was relational healing. And what we have seen, and I know that you have seen this, we've mm-hmm. seen addicts that, that do such good sobriety work. You know, they, they get themselves together, they get some sobriety, they get, you know, solid, they work in their program, and, and yet their relationships sometimes fall apart or continue to be so difficult and challenging 
And that really seems to come down to not that they haven't done great sobriety work. It really comes down to the recovery piece that they haven't mm-hmm. put in place yet and that they're struggling with. And the, the work that we're doing in this retreat has so much to do with learning, you know, as an addict is, is, is working in the recovery, learning about intimacy in the relationship, learning where their Achilles heels and their blind spots about intimacy with their partner are, learning how they can start to open up their recovery into the relational healing of their relationship. And, you know, they can't do everything, but in this retreat, we're really working on what is your part of that? And what can you do from your side of the relationship as an addict in recovery who's learning sometimes for the first time how to walk into a relationship with, with, with vulnerability and intimacy and do that uh, in a way that gives your relationship the best chance of making it. And so Dan and I are just so excited to be putting on this, this three-day retreat to really give addicts, uh, you know, an introduction to, uh, get some good traction on. We have three days to work with, with, with these gentlemen. We're still looking forward to that as they're, you know, making those changes in intimacy and relational healing and giving their relationship the, the best chance that they can for it to thrive. Well, and you know that all three of us being APSATs um, credentialed and CSAT mm-hmm. credentialed, and for our listening audience, that means we're all certified sexual addictions therapists, but we're also trained in partner betrayal, and we're credentialed in that way too. And we know that sex addiction is considered an intimacy disorder. So if you're lucky enough to have a partner, then you're probably suffering in that relationship. And so obviously one of the reasons I became an upset was because clearly I saw guys get better and yet their relationships were faltering and the partner was doing so poorly. And we all believe that intimacy depends on the addict learning the skills to help the coupleship recover. And so this is, I think, a very unusual intensive. Now, tell me a little bit about the intensive. It starts April 27th, so the end of this month, and it goes through the 29th, and it's located in Petaluma, California? Yeah, we're we're holding it in Petaluma, California, at this great uh, retreat center called Earthrise. Um, it is Petaluma is about half an hour, forty five minutes ish, north of Oakland and San Francisco. And we are um, going to be at this retreat center, you know, all Friday afternoon, all day Saturday, Sunday morning into early afternoon, um, and we're we're focusing on intimacy relational healing, you know, a a lot of men getting together to support each other to do that. Um, Petaluma, Northern California is beautiful. So not only is it a a great working uh, retreat, but it's in a beautiful area to just enjoy the the natural beauty that's around you as well. So, Well, yeah, and you are specifically, for our listening audience, you are going to be offering this workshop to work on the tools to develop intimacy with others in a positive way, and you're going to develop empathy skills, because what we know is that empathy is a tough area for an addict. They've been so isolated and so secretive for so long that putting themselves in another person's shoes can be tough. So you're going to be offering skills on that as well as healthy coping resources. And Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. So this is called Living in Freedom Retreat for Men in Sex Addiction and Relational Recovery. And I noticed when I was looking at the website, you it doesn't have to be just about a partner. I mean, it really can be about developing intimacy with others in a positive way. Is that correct? It is. It is. If, if you're in a relationship, uh, this will, you know, it'll be easiest to apply it, uh, apply the work that you're doing uh, with your partner. But if you're not in a relationship and you just really want to work on understanding more about what intimacy is like and what steps you can take, then there's certainly something for you at this retreat as well. 
Okay. Now, how can people get a hold of you and Dan to get set up for this retreat? Well, they can go to the website for the retreat. Uh, it's at Dan's website. Dan's uh, therapy group is called Banyan Therapy. Um, and so you can go to www.banyantherapy.com slash men's dash retreats. Uh, and Banyan Therapy is B-A-N-Y-A-N therapy.com. Okay, and for anybody who might have missed that or they don't have a pen or pencil, you can definitely email me at carol at carolthecoach.com. I will be happy to give you that website as well as their phone number, which is 818-435-7847, extension 21. Now, you guys are... um, Enigmas in the field, because not only do you work with sexual addiction, but you realize how important it is to improve that relational component. So, again, if somebody is, is interested in this retreat, they they know that they're going to come in on April 27th, and they're going to be staying through April 29th at the Earthrise Retreat Center in Petaluma, California. And if they want to talk with you and find out more about it, how can they do that? They can call Dan, and mm-hmm. you already gave his number out, which is great, at 818-435-7847, extension 21. Or if they want to give me a call directly, they can certainly do that. And I am at uh, 707-200-2332. Extension 101, and that's my my number here at Willow Tree Counseling. And, you know, obviously one of the things that I don't do, I don't do advertisements for different centers or different intensives unless I really believe it's going to make a difference in the lives of others. And what I know about sex addicts is they want to learn the skills. They want to improve their relationships. They want to see their wives or girlfriends heal. And this is exactly what that intensive is going to provide on April 27th through the 29th. Correct? Absolutely. I think that's what we're most excited about is that there are, there are lots of, of really great intensives out there, and I love them, that are really focused on sobriety and program and, and helping the addict to get their own program going. This intensive that we put together is different in that it's really focused on those relational intimacy skills and helping not just with sobriety, but helping with giving you the tools to heal your relationship, to support your partner or, or your wife in, in, in their healing process, and to give your relationship the best chance of making it that you can. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tim, thank you so much for coming on and sharing the Living in Freedom Retreat for Men in Sex Addiction and Relational Recovery. And again, one more time, people can go to www.banyantherapy, like the tree, forward slash men's dash retreats, and they can find out more about this um incredible retreat that's going to be occurring the end of this month and i got to tell my listening audience you know you hear me say at the end of every show there will only be one of you at all times fearlessly have the courage to be yourself and whether you think you can afford it or not it's certainly something to look into because it can be tough to work on the relationship skills if you don't know what you don't know And so this is a workshop and a retreat that's going to teach you those skills and help you to carry them on into your real world. And as we end for right now, Tim, can you tell me anything else that you think they need to know about this important retreat? Oh, put me on the spot. Anything else? We are really trying to... Always. One of the things that I think is unique is we're, we're trying to incorporate a little bit of, of the partner's perspective, even though the partner won't be there. And so being able to bring in, hey, here's what we've heard from your partner. Here's what we're seeing about you and how you're relating with us. Here's what we're seeing with you and how you're relating with the other men that are here. 
and taking not just, you know, education on what you need to do, but taking, hey, here's what's going on and here's what everybody is seeing and experiencing about you and how you approach intimacy, how you approach relationships, and actually doing hands-on work to, 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 to give you some traction and some healing in that area. So uh, not just education, a lot of hands-on experiential, let, let's put the rubber to the road and make some changes. Yeah, I am so glad you said that because truly over 52% of our listening audience are women who want to figure out how they can make their relationship better with the sex addict. So for the women that are also listening, I know that it's really important to know about the resources out there for the men that they love to get healthier and to develop that intimacy, whether you're in early couple recovery or whether you've been together for a couple years, you got that sobriety and you want to make it work. So one more time, if you're interested, that's www.banyantherapy.com forward slash men's dash retreats. And that's 818-435-7847, extension 21. Tim, all the best to you. Let me know how it goes, okay? Oh, thank you so much, Carol. Always a pleasure. All right. You have a great day. You too. All right. So that was Tim Stein. He is going to be one of the workshop leaders for this retreat that occurs in April. And, again, that's April 27th through the 29th, and we can always use people teaching us how to develop intimacy. Right, Alan Katz? <laughs> right. Hi, yeah. Tim. Uh, you know, I, I just feel like I have a plethora of people that have these skills that our listening audience needs to learn about. And why I was so excited to be talking to you tonight is because you've written this new book, Experiential Group Interventions with DBT, and it's a 30-day program for treating addictions and trauma. So it doesn't just treat the addiction, it also treats the trauma behind the addiction. So tell me a little bit about what made you decide to write this book. Well, I've been doing these groups for about five years. And I work in a treatment center where DBT is the primary focus. And so I have this, I'm very organized. I have this whole system where every DBT skill is in a folder and every one of my different themes that I'm going to do for group are also in folders. And I decided that this would be really neat to put all this together, you know, into a book to help other therapists cause, I, where I work, a lot of people really like my the way I um, do my groups, and they complain about some of the other people that you know just talk during the group and don't do a lot of experiential getting up and doing things like I do. And so, well, and um, I am what, such a supporter of that. I've run over two thousand women's groups. Across the board, they weren't necessarily partners of sex addicts, but we do a lot of experiential stuff because clearly that's what metaphorically seems to move them forward. And and are you actually sitting there with your group right now? I am, yes. And so this is the first time ever that we have interviewed somebody who's got his group behind him, and obviously your group does this every single week. And so tell us a little bit about what DBT is and what experiential therapy is, because I'm going to want to ask some of the guys what their experience has been with your training. Okay, they're just sitting here on pins and needles waiting to talk, so I'm sure. Okay, and they've got me on speaker, um, right? They know what we're doing. Yeah, they know what we're Excellent. doing. Excellent. So, so first of all, all right. explain what DBT is, because that kind of sounds like an immunization shot. Okay, well, D- DBT is a dialectical behavior therapy. It was developed by uh, Marsha Linehan about, I don't know, how maybe 20 years ago, but it's become very popular. Um, it basically deals with 
um, emotion regulation and distress tolerance, but the the core of it is mindfulness. So mindfulness has become a very also very popular, but especially with sex addiction and other addictions, we addicts go you know from zero to a hundred very quickly. And we, so we need to learn how to live in the gray area and not live in the black and white and be able to be mindful of what we're doing right now because I, I think we know that people that are reliving their past or worrying about the future have a much bigger chance of relapsing than people who are just living for today and have a goal and and are working toward it. And so DBT gives us the skills, around 30 skills, to um, be able to regulate emotions and tolerate stress. So in other words... Well, and you know, you just said something that I find very helpful, and I'm sure the guys could agree with you. They interviewed 20,000 people who professed happiness, and they found three out of 92 um, skills. They found that all 20,000 identified three skills as helping to bring them happiness, and they were the very first one you said, that if you stay in the moment and you don't perseverate or fret about the past, and you don't worry about or catastrophize the future, you're going to feel happier. The second skill is to have gratitude and kind of look at what is working as opposed to what isn't. And the third is to reframe, where you figure out what it is that you have learned and how have you grown stronger from whatever the situation is. So the guys that you work with, your clients in group, experientially work on their issues and while they're also practicing mindfulness and not fretting about the past or worrying about the future, correct? Correct. And so that is yeah. absolutely amazing. I mean, that is such an important skill. Now, experiential therapy is usually um, – so, you know, that's part of psychodrama or gestalt therapy. Right. So tell me how you would describe experiential therapy. Well, it, experiential therapy is a form of therapy that allows you to take past events, situations, and conversations and bring them into the present moment to deal with them in the here and now. So in other words, we... we because so much addiction is caused by past trauma, we can bring some of those experiences of trauma from the past, bring them into the present, and deal with them now. So if I, had, if I wasn't able to deal with some of my trauma because I was, you know, too weak or too young or, or whatever, or if someone has passed away and I, d- I never got found closure, you know, with that person, then I can bring that in drama to uh, the present moment and then be able to express some feelings of uh, grief, anger, those types of things and start to heal from those past experiences. And that could also be a, a present experience too. Like if I'm, I'm in a conflict with, you know, a spouse or a parent or something and I'm having trouble communicating that, that I can kind of practice, you know, in front of the group and then other, other members of the group can play the auxiliary roles and come in and kind of give some clarity to the, to the situation. So absolutely. So, yeah. So psychodrama is a form of experiential, not the only thing we do, but uh, things like journaling, um, role play, Uh, music, art, all those things can be forms of of experiential therapy. Okay, so, so, so I want to ask one of the guys um, how they believe that the experiential therapy with DBT in group has helped them outside the real world. Because what I know to be true is if you do your work in group, you also take it out 
into your workplace, into your home, into your friendships. So can I ask one of them um, how they think it's changed their life? Sure. And, of course, this will be anonymous. I won't name any names, nor will you. No, will I. Okay. So you can just give it to somebody who wants the mic. Hold on. Hi, this is Carol, the coach, and I was just wondering, can you share with me how you think this type of therapy has helped you in your real life? Uh, sure. So I guess my experience when I had a, um, you know, I did some psychodrama and whatnot last summer, mm-hmm. and for me, my experience, you know, helped me to To get over something that happened in my college years, and you know, to, to kind of just I guess just boil this down, is that you know I had you know kind of deep resentment for you know my parents and and really most importantly um, my then girlfriend who is now my wife, and because I was I was in trouble I was in pain and they didn't reach out and help me, and and so right. I was very resentful of that. Um, well, through reliving this experience, um, you know, I, I was able to learn really for the first time is that the reason they couldn't reach out and help me is because I wasn't able to tell them I was in pain, you know, and I wasn't able to tell them that I needed help. Um, and for, uh, you know, to be able to realize that, it, it, it sounds, you know, very basic, but for me it, it wasn't that. You know, I need to tell people how I feel um, in order for them to help me or, you know, relate to me or things like that. And that was, you know, it was a very big revelation for me. Uh, and, and since then, you know, I've been able to open up my feelings more and it, it has helped, um, you know, to improve some things. And I just can't, um, you know, I'm I'm grateful I was able to have that experience and, and and figure that out. Well, yeah, and it sounds like, despite the fact that it was really basic, that when you reenacted that out in your group and found that that was not something that you actually had done, you had not identified how you felt or what you needed, then you were able to do it in the group and then reenact it in your real life and that was a real insight for you correct exactly yeah that's amazing and so for our listening audience you know they may think psychodrama you know experiential therapy i could never do that can you tell me what makes it easier than one would think to act it out Uh, wow. Well, I, you know, I still don't have an answer for that. Um, Uh I was definitely of that mindset when we started Uh getting into that in the intensive and, um, our, our counselor was bringing out scarves and all kinds of stuff. The the eight guys in the room were just kind of looking at each other thinking, what did we get ourselves into? Um, Uh you know, all I can say is that, you know, we, we let ourselves, um, be, you know, opened up to this experience, we, um, and, you know, just kind of went with it, I guess. I can't explain why, I guess just because, you know, in that moment we were, you know, all trusting of each other and um, were able to be vulnerable and, you know, it worked. I, I can't say, you know, of, of the eight guys that were there that, you know, not one of them didn't have an amazing you know, experience. Well, that is great. And I so appreciate you sharing your journey with us because certainly I've got a lot of addicts that they're having trouble. They're kind of stuck. And so they really want to try things that are new and unusual. And it sounds like Alan Katz's experiential therapy with DBT is one of the things that has really kind of moved or shifted you guys. Go ahead and give me to Mr. Katz again. I want to ask him a couple questions. Okay, I'm back. All right. So, obviously, 
you, he just described something that occurred in college and probably even earlier then, because one of the things we know is sometimes things replay themselves until you get it. And it really helped to act it out and to discover what it was that made a difference. So now tell us a little bit about your book. I mean, clearly this is like a workbook for clinicians and can the normal person buy the book, you know, a normal sex addict that doesn't have any therapy background? Sure. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me describe how it works. The, the, okay. Each chapter has a theme. So there's 30 days, 30 chapters. And so each, each chapter has a theme. It has a DBT skill and has an experiential opening and closing, and then an exercise inside. So a clinician can take that in in any kind of environment, whether it's inpatient or outpatient or even individual therapy, and have a 30-day supply of things to do. Um, so, so an individual could take that and kind of contemplate uh, the different DBT skill for that for that that day. Uh, learn a DBT skill. Uh, a lot of the exercises are fill in the blanks and questions. So, so an individual could do that also, um, and just work through it like a workbook. Uh, the clinicians, All right. And, though, well, can you give me an example of one of the exercises? Sure. One of, one of my favorite exercises is what I call the the angel and the devil. And so what I do is I, I put one of the clients in the middle chair, and then, I, then I have them say, I'll have them say, pick someone to be your addiction, and then pick someone else to be your support or a sponsor or a friend or whatever. And then I have both of these people kind of go at go at the guy, go at the person in the middle as the addict. So as the addict, you might say something like, um, "You can do this one more time. You know, nobody's going to know. It's all private. You can nobody's going to know what you're looking at, and you're not getting in trouble. You're not hurting anybody. You know, all those excuses that addicts use to." rationalize that um, it's okay, right? So that would be one side. On the other side would be, well, what if you're, you know, think about, think about this. This is a DBT skill called play the tape out. Think about, well, the last time you did this and you play the tape out, last time you did this, you got caught by your wife and she's threatening divorce. And so is it really worth a few minutes of, you know, looking on the internet to, to risk that again? And so you got these two, opposing forces yelling at the guy basically back and forth. And then you, you as the therapist would look at the guy in the middle and say something like, well, what's going on in your body? You know, what are you feeling? You know, what, where's the anxiety or, or what's, and usually you can visibly see the difference and it, it just comes to life. It, it, it's very real and it's, it really duplicates the, what what goes on in the addict's mind, you know, should I, shouldn't I, you know, those kinds of, those kinds of things, you know, it's only going to be a few minutes or nobody's going to know all those excuses that we use in our head. And then, and then the positive back and forth. So then you get the client to say, well, what, which one are you going to choose? You know? And so of course they're always going to choose the positive, but it really, it helps them, I did this today with a group at the treatment center and a couple of the guys that did it were just like visibly, you know, sad because they realized the, the implications of this thing. So that's just, that's just one of the, one of the things in the book. Um, well, and so yeah. in some ways you have them wrestle with the addict inside of them, because what you mentioned were defense mechanisms. They were the excuses, the justifications, the minimizations, the rationalizations that every addict uses to continue their behavior. 
And when they actually wrestled with that and they talked to their excuses to the addict, they were able to gain a better understanding of how they did that and maybe the mastery that they needed to overcome it. Right. We, I encourage them to talk back to, you know, that ne- that negative side, mm-hmm. you know, to tell it, tell it um, where to go sometimes, and but also, you know, tell it what, you know, what is it that this uh, addiction has done that, that I, you know, I could have accomplished so much more if you weren't in my life, like having them actually talk to the addiction, you know, that kind of thing. So you can... You can extend this whole scenario out to different different ex- exercises. But yeah, it, it I love it, that. Uh, really brings it to life, yeah. So, obviously, I was going to ask you if you could give me an example of using DBT didactically to help people okay. with sexual addiction cope with triggers. Okay. So with DBT, one of the premises of DBT is this: the idea of the dialectic is that we can have two opposing emotions at the same time, okay? Or I can disagree with you, I can have a different belief than you do, and we can still get along, we can still talk. But in other words, I can be mad at you. I can love you, but I can also be mad at you at the same time. Uh-huh. Most every couple has experienced that to some degree. You know, so that's that's dialectical thinking. I can be angry at, at something in one part of my life and I can be happy about some other part of my life. And what happens with addicts a lot is that we only concentrate and focus on the negative think about all the good things that we do have. Like you were saying, we don't, we don't feel the gratitude for what we do have. And so there's, a, there's, a, there's an exercise called the angle of opportunity, which kind of is an introduction to DBT and this concept of two opposing uh, forces going on. And so what you do is you... You, you set up three chairs and you have uh, 30 days, 90 days, and a year, one in each chair. And you have the person go into, sit down in each chair and they have to say, if I continue to act out in my sexual addiction, what's going to be happening in 30 days? What's going to happen in 90 days? What's my life going to be like in a year? Right? And they have to come up with, they're coming up, they're imagining these scenarios that are going to come up, right? In 90 days, I may lose my job, I may lose my marriage, uh, whatever. So that you have them go through this process. And then you have them go back to the beginning and then start over again. But this time, they go 30, 90 in a year. And they have to say, well, if I'm sober for 30 days, 90 days in a year, what's my life going to be like? And you as the therapist will, will interject different things like, well, what's your family going to think? And what, how are your kids going to be? And what, how's your job? What's going to, how is it going to affect your job? And so you really bring it all to life and bring out a whole bunch of different scenarios so they think about it in depth. And so, again, they're, they're using the dialectic concept for looking at both sides of the equation again but it's kind of we call it in in NLP it's called future pacing I'm, I'm yes pacing, it is I'm I was thinking of, the same thing in NLP and <laughs> I always call it playing it forward you know uh-huh yeah and I love that it's you were same. able to do that in a group and of course when one person's doing their work or if you're applying it to everybody they're all thinking about yeah how would my what would my life look like in a month, in two months, in exactly. three months, if this behavior continues? Exactly. And that's the magical thing about this kind of therapy is that, like you just said, when one person is doing some some work, everybody else is watching passively, but they're also 
putting themselves into that position and, and really they are working, you know, just more in a passive way. Yeah, you know, Alan, when I got my CSAT training and I was sitting in a lunch line with Dr. Carnes, I asked him two questions. The first one I said is, you know, a lot of CSAT therapists are in recovery from sex addiction. I don't happen to have that problem. Do you think that's going to be a problem? And he said, well, no, you don't have to have cancer to be um, someone who works with cancer patients. And that made sense to me, although my own personal bias is it's probably more effective if you are working with somebody who's been through it and come out of it. But Dr. Carnes, that's what he said to me. The second thing that I said is if there was one thing you could tell me that would make me a more effective therapist, what would it be? And he said, I want you to run groups because it's in the group that the magic occurs where people not only do their work, but they watch other people do their work, and they unconsciously or subconsciously change as a result. And that's what your guys do. Right. Yeah, and so I just really think it's amazing that, A, you've been doing groups, and how long have you been doing that? I've been doing groups for about five years. Mm-hmm. And, and you really have made an emphasis on looking at little T and big T traumas. Uh, you know that they play right. such an important part in addiction. So can you tell our listening audience what might a little T trauma be versus a big T trauma? Sure. So big T trauma is things like uh, Katrina, 9-11, Floods, earthquakes, uh, rape, uh, bad car accidents, things like that. They're they're hopefully once-in-a-lifetime occurrences, which are traumatic, but you can get over it eventually. The little T trauma is a little more insidious, and that is those are repeated traumas. Little T, we call it because it's very subtle, and so it can be something as uh, simple as emotional abandonment or something where let's say a child gets hurt and the parent says, oh, you're not hurt, get up, you know, be a man, Uh, don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about, you know, those kinds of comments that little kids go through, that that can be very traumatic to a little kid. And so, that that happens, or that happens over a period of years, even. So that's little T, but it's going. It, it's it, it can be even more destructive than big T trauma. So what what happens is in in addiction is that we 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 get certain shameful thoughts about ourselves from what happens to us in childhood. So. I'm not good enough, I'm unlovable, I'm always screwing up, I'm never going to be a mountain, you know, all those kinds of things. We're either told that by our caregivers or teachers, or we we kind of assume it, you know. And so what do we do as kids? We, We fight, flight, or freeze. So when a kid freezes, he goes up to his room and he fantasizes and plays with his toys and kind of tries to escape from the pain. And so that's how the trauma, so now that the trauma has caused this shameful kind of thought pattern, when that same shameful thought pattern comes into adulthood, we do the same thing. We, we fantasize, we, we try to have relationships with people that are not going to cause us any pain. So all this, these fantasy relationships, love addiction, um, you know, all, all the all the new social media is just flourishing with this with this type of thing of you know comparing and judging and all these things, which is just just continuing the uh, the destructiveness of this type of thing, in my opinion. 
Okay, so I've got a little group exercise. I, I would like for you to share the phone with each one of the men, and they can certainly pass, but ask. Okay. And so the question is going to be, your little T-trauma or your big T-trauma was, and each one is going to identify one of their traumas that they experienced in their life. And, again, they can pass, so they don't have to um, okay. give us that information. But I think it will help our listening audience to hear from each man in your group. Okay. Can, I'll start if that's, that's okay. Absolutely. Carol? Okay. So, so well, I don't know if I should put this. I, um, I grew up in a household where my parents were – um, fighting a lot. There was a lot of yelling and screaming, and I just became very the passive and shut down and didn't want to really say anything because whatever I would say, I would get yelled at. So that, to me, that was my, that was a little T trauma. A big T trauma, um, I don't know, probably – you know, when my dog died or something like that, that was probably a big T trauma for me. Got it. Okay. I'll, All right. I'll pass it around. That's wonderful. Okay, next, next group member. Okay, hello. Hello. Little T or big T no. trauma? So I, I can share a, a little T trauma. Um, so very, um, you know, at a well, just throughout my, uh, you know, family when growing up, I had a had a fairly good childhood. You know, no, um, you know, affectionate, loving family. You know, we weren't lacking for, um, you know, money, anything like that. Um, so good childhood, but the, the little T would be that the one thing we did not do. And so the one thing I did not learn was to, you know, share, uh, emotion. You know, we didn't have those, you know, talks that you would think parents would have with kids. You know, you never had the sex talk or the puberty talk, or we didn't talk about anything. We didn't talk about, you know, uh, money, finances, feelings, you know, didn't talk about feeling scared about this or worried about that. Um, so, and and that stayed with me for for well a very long time. Still dealing with that now, but um, that was the the basis of uh, my little T trauma. Well, I I think what you're saying to us as a listening audience is that when you deal with addictions, you learn how not to talk trust or feel and certainly in your family you really didn't ex- get to express your feelings your thoughts and your pain so thank you for sharing that you're welcome all right next man from the group Hi. um i think my first big t trauma probably happened in my mid-20s um i married my high school sweetheart and then about two years later, we got divorced. Um, that was kind of the start of the downhill spiral for me. Uh, and after that, there was a lot of little T traumas that just came and went. So can I ask you a personal question and feel free to pass? Was um, your divorce a result in part from a sex addiction or... Did your divorce cause a coping skill like sex addiction? It wasn't the cause of a sex addiction, but it forced me. I wouldn't say it forced me, but it turned turned me into a sex sex addict. Okay, that's what I wondered. So it was number two. It really exacerbated the need to medicate with sex addiction. When you. You thought you were doing the right thing, but you really weren't. So you just kind of said, what the heck, and and you start doing a lot of wrong. Yeah, yeah I know. It, it really catapults, doesn't it? It gets worse and worse and worse. It does. Well, thank you very much. Can you pass the phone to somebody else? 
Okay. Well, those are the those are the two that uh, we're willing to share. Got it. For now. And I so appreciate that because I I believe that you know I've talked with a lot of therapists that say you know it doesn't matter whether it's little T or big T. Trauma is trauma, and it like you said can cause that freeze, fight, or flight response. And that's what sexual addiction is all about. I mean, sex addiction is a way to cope with and um, Mm self-soothe to avoid feeling the feelings or dealing with the pain. And so your group and your book, which is, it just sounds amazing. I'm going to have to get it. The book is called, uh, I want to get the whole title because it's it's, uh, it's a long title. Yeah, go ahead and give me the book. Okay. Experiential Group Interventions with DVT, colon, a 30-day program for treating addictions and trauma. Yeah, so your book really shares exercises that can move people through the trauma with both a DBT approach, and Marshall Linehan is, is the best at having created that, and also that experiential therapy, what we know is when people do experiential work, they typically get healthy faster. faster. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I, I did uh, some experiential therapy um, every morning, every morning, every Monday morning for two hours uh, for two years, and I got more out of that than almost 25 years of uh, just talk therapy because I was able to finally, you know, dig deeper into my feelings and understand myself, get my voice, you know, things like that, and, and understand that there were other people like me. And, yeah, that, that's it. And... You know, being in a group with other people and they're validating you and they're telling you how um, skilled you are, that helps That helps boost my self-esteem and helps me move forward. And so when I um, – that I was not a therapist then. That's when I was in my, my business um, career. And – but now that I became a therapist, Helping other people really, you know, brings me a sense of, you know, happiness and fulfillment that I I did not get before. So, so it's it definitely um, it, it definitely helped. And, and I've had some you know, training in DBT and in the psychodrama. And when you train in psychodrama, you have to do your own work. So, you know, you really you get to experience it firsthand. Well, absolutely, and before we end, I would be amiss if I didn't help our listening audience understand the link between a person's trauma history and sexual addiction, or at least sexual acting out. So can you share a little bit about what your thoughts are? What do you believe that link is? I believe that link is, well, you know, sex addiction is not, not really about sex it's about power and it's about attachment and wanting to have a a a relationship and so when we don't get that as as children we're we're missing that attachment piece so we're, we're constantly looking for that attachment because that's just a natural part of living is to be attached and to have friends and have people that validate us so therefore, when we, when we don't have it as kids, we're constantly looking for it, and it, you know it ends up becoming you know a sexual thing, um, especially now with you know with the internet and the anonymity and all those the social media, all those things are exacerbating this idea that you know I've got a I can I can be somebody who I'm really not. You know, in social media, I'm always just showing my good side, but I'm not showing any of the pain. And so, I think I think that's part of the link. Uh, 
That, does that ex- explain it properly? Yeah, that, that was great at explaining that. And, okay. and you know, what you and I both know as certified sexual addictions therapists is that not every person had trauma and not every person had um, trauma reenactment that resulted in sexual addiction, but certainly 99.9% of us had very difficult experiences that they weren't able to rectify or move through because they got stifled in some way. They didn't get to talk. It affected their ability to trust. They didn't get to feel. And so your work helps to heal that, and that's what makes it more effective than just talk therapy, correct? Correct, absolutely. Because you do get to Well, I am really impressed. Yeah, say that, I'm sorry. I was saying you you get a chance in experiential therapy to – to trust and to feel, and uh, what was the third one? Um, trust and feel. Trust and feel, yeah. Because you you have to trust others, and others trust you and the group, and then you get to feel by doing the doing the exercises. So. Yeah, exactly. And so, I so appreciate you sharing this valuable work. I really thank the guys for hanging in there and and helping us to understand it. We've never interviewed a group before, so that was really fun. And people can get your book by, I'm sure, several different ways. So why don't you share with us how can they get Experiential Group Interventions with DBT, a 30-day program for treating addictions and trauma. Okay, well, the, the publisher, they're in the process now of editing the book, and it's going to be out in uh, July or August. But they are providing a pre-order form with a 20% discount on the book. And so if you will email me at um, ajk at allenjcats.com. Let me let me spell that A L L A N J K A T Z dot com. So it's AJK at AllenJCats.com and I will send you the special uh, order form for the twenty percent discount. You can also go on uh, I think Amazon already has something up there and they're they're providing a, a small discount too, I believe, for pre orders. So either one of those uh, two ways you can um you can get a pre order of the book. I think they're only printing like two hundred and fifty books to start. But I'm expecting um a few printings. I, I think it's gonna take off because I think a lot of people um need it. Uh so those are the those are the ways. Um that they can, and if anybody has any questions, they can email me to that same email, and I can answer any um, any questions that they have. Well, thank you so much, Alan. This has been an excellent show. It's an inspiration to hear you working with these guys. Like I said, Patrick Karn says we're not doing our work unless we're doing good group therapy. And continued well, success. We'll have you on once the book is published, and. Um, Guys, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Uh, thanks for your contribution. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, All right. You guys you. have a great night and really appreciate okay. it. Take care. All right. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye. Uh-huh. So, again, what I'm going to um, encourage you to do, if you're a clinician and you want to uh, catapult your practice, Go to uh, A-H-A-K at Allen, A-L-L-A-N-J, and then his last name is K-A-T-Z dot com, and get that 20% off form. And you can always email me at Carol, at carolthecoach.com. Now, you heard me talking about intensives and how important they are, especially in developing intimacy. 
you heard Alan talk about group therapy and how important it is to do experiential work with DBT. And I'm going to encourage you, if you're single, that I just put a new Facebook, well, no, I did put it on Facebook, but I just put a new YouTube on there about why, if you're a single person who is working on sexual addiction recovery, why this is really hard for you and why you need to increase your accountability. Since you don't have somebody who's watching you like a hawk or holding you accountable or helping you through it. So go to Sex Help with Carol the Coach on YouTube and look at my last video, which talks about accountability when you're single. All right. I will see you next week for another show. I appreciate Alan Katz coming on and Tim Stein talking about living in freedom retreat. And don't hesitate to get a hold of me. If you need something, I am your personal life coach and your therapist that can consult with you and get you to the right place. And as I say at the end of every show, there will only be one of you at all times, so fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Have a great week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.